Father, uh, as we get into your word this morning, Lord, we do desire that you would speak to our hearts. I, I believe we're all here because we want to hear from you. We're here because, Lord, we need you to, to change us, to work in us. And God, we have that in our hearts that we're ready. So I know that you're desiring to work in us. And I pray that as we get, go through this and as we look at these circumstances and situations, that Lord, it would just, it would cause us, it would, it would maybe fix some circumstances and situations in our lives. And Lord, maybe prepare us for what's coming. But we do thank you that you have chosen to put your word in writing so we can read it and we can go back and reread it and go back and reread it. And Lord, we know that that's, that's beneficial for our inner man, that we would grow spiritually. So we give you this time. We thank you this morning for getting us here, for bringing us here. And again, we look forward to what you're gonna do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we started last week and once again this week, I, I just want to emphasize that Jesus makes a claim on every single life. And what matters is what you do with that. How do you respond to that? And I even think as believers, how do we respond? Are we growing? Are we changing? Hopefully you're not the same today as you were last year, that things are changing in your life because of him. And today we focus in on a couple different individuals. So remember setting the scene, the Sanhedrin has decided they've convicted Jesus of, of blasphemy. They've already condemned him to death, but they don't have the authority to do that. So now they're going before Pontius Pilate and they're gonna kind of scheme and, and do things to get him quote on their side so they're going to do that so we're going to see number one the guy Pontius again and we'll talk about him a little bit more and and kind of bring up his background but Pontius Pilate man he's in a tough place he's in a really really difficult place and you know part of it I think hey man you got yourself there you dug that hole and uh, because I'm so compassionate but uh also part of it I think man he's just it's tough for him and difficult for him. And I want us to try and kind of get in the emotion of what's going on. So he has this whole balancing act he's trying to do to keep his career, to keep his job, to keep his life. And then, and then also we're going to look at a kind of a newcomer. We're going to look at Herod, not a newcomer scripturally, but maybe for some of us, and especially in this scene. And Herod, I mean, Herod is just a piece of work. That guy, is, that guy is just out there, right? You, you think of, whenever I hear the word Herod, I just think, yuck. You know, I mean, from the family, from Herod the Great on, and especially, especially Herod Antipas here, this guy, this is a guy that killed John the Baptist. Beheaded him, remember why he beheaded him? Because John called him out for marrying his brother's wife. He had an affair with her, married her, and here's the, I mean, the whole kicker of that to me is, not only did he marry his brother's wife, it was his niece that he's marrying. Now, that gets weird, right? I mean, don't tell me that the Bible's not reality, you know? And you, I read that stuff and it just yuck. And so, the interesting thing, though, and we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, is Herod, 
Herod's been dying to meet this guy, no pun intended. But, uh, you know, he's really wanting to meet this Jesus. So we're going to look at him and all that's going on in his life and his heart. And then we got we to gotta remember the Sanhedrin. We're talking 70 guys, so I don't think all 70 were corrupt. This is just my opinion. I don't think 70 people are that corrupt that they're part of. But I think, hey, I think they're all involved and they, they got caught up in it. But man, listen, you got some of those guys that think we are just upholding the law. That's what we're doing. And so you've got their emotion and their dynamic going on and all of that. And then lastly, we have Jesus, who Jesus is walking through this quietly, deliberately, and not freaking out. And, you know, we need to gain from that, and we need to, we need to understand, man, the closer we get to Jesus, the easier it is to walk through the difficult, unfair circumstances that come in our life. Remember, this was, this was definitely unfair, but you never hear him cry foul. You never hear him say, this is unfair, you can't be doing this to me. He takes it. So we have Jesus as an example. So that's kind of what we're gonna be as we're going through this. And then, you know, that question that we asked last week, hey, Pilate's asking, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And again, for us, what do we do with Jesus? What do we do with this one called Jesus? So, the Sanhedrin has brought him. Judas has done his thing. And verse 11, again, we read last week, but we're going to start there. Verse 11 says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say, or you said it. So again, Pontius Pilate, remember, Pontius Pilate has blown it deeply with the position he has. He was put in that position, and last week I, I, I even mentioned, hey, when you got sent to Jerusalem or you got sent to Judea to watch over the Jews, it was kind of like your career's over. You know, sometimes in the career world, you kind of know, right, depending on where they put you, you're going, well, I'm done. You know, I just wait until I retire. Well, that was kind of, if you got sent there, you knew you, knew you had messed up, and you knew you weren't going to advance much more. So he kind of knew that. But then after he got there, he did those blunders. Of, we talked about bringing emblems into the temple, building the, the aqueduct with their money, and then once again bringing the shields in. So he's blowing it. And Caesar has told him one more time, and you're out. So he didn't want to blow it. So he had that pressure. Now, he knows that Jesus is innocent. But he can't just turn him loose. He can't, he can't go against the Jews. Here's the thing. Remember, the, the, the population of Jerusalem has, has, has gotten huge, right, for Passover. And he, if he causes a riot, it's going to be devastating for everybody. So he's trying to walk that. So he asked Jesus, hey, is it true? Is it true that you're the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, yeah, you said it. Now, we got to go. We got to travel. So let's go to... Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 23, and we're going to kind of start there, and then we'll go to 18, and then we'll come back to 23, and then we'll, we'll eventually get back to 27 in Matthew. But Luke 23, here's, here's what we need to understand. In verse 1, it tells us, the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, and 
he, and saying that he himself is Christ the king. So notice they bring up three different accusations, not just one. They say that he's, he's coming against the whole nation and he's perverting. In other words, here's what they're saying. He's turning all the Jews against Rome. Now Jesus hasn't been doing that. I mean, Pilate could see that. Listen, Pilate's looking at this guy who's bruised and beaten and got spit all over him, and nobody's following him. He's going, well, that's not true. And then he's, they accuse him of not paying taxes. Well, we know that's not true. He never said that. And then the last one is that he claimed himself as Christ, the Messiah, the king, you know, a king. And then Pilate asks him that same question. Hey, are you king of the Jews? Jesus says, oh, it is as you say. Now, there's a little bit of dialogue that goes on there that Luke doesn't record, that Matthew doesn't record, that I think it's good. So go to, keep your finger here. Go to John 18. I know you have nimble fingers, right? Go to John 18. And I'm gonna skip down to, I'm gonna skip down to verse 33. Because we need to understand something that was happening. So, so 1833 says this. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, John lets us in on something that the other writers don't talk about that I think is kind of important later on. When the Jews came and brought Jesus to Pilate, they wouldn't go in. They brought him to the Antonia Fortress. We talked about that. And some of us have been to Israel enough, you kind of see that. But they wouldn't go inside because they would be defiled. That always cracks me up. We're not gonna do this because we'll be defiled. Dude, you are so defiled already. Like, man, this is the least of your worries. But they won't go in there because they won't be defiled. Now, we gotta think about this. These guys showed up at around 6 a.m. and they won't go in because they're defiled. You gotta give it to Pilate. He came out and met with them and talked to them. And Jesus went in. He would come out and talk to them. And then he would go back in and talk to Jesus. And then he would come out and talk to them. So kind of keep that in mind as we're doing this, right? Part of it is inside. Some of it's outside. So he came out and he talked to them. And then it says, and he went back in and he asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Now listen there was a little bit more of an answer than, yes, you said it. First of all, Jesus answered him in verse 32 or 34 and said, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Oh, you see, Jesus knows it's important. Listen, he's not just playing games here. Here's what he's saying. Is this your idea and are you asking me if I'm king or is it their idea and they're asking if I'm the Messiah, the king? Big difference. And Jesus wants to know. Jesus said, hey, Pilate, do you think I'm saying I'm going to usurp? Bottom line, I'm going to usurp Caesar because it's not, it's not what he's saying. So I love the idea that Jesus, and I think cool, calm, and collective. I think Jesus said, okay, who's, who's, like, who's really asking this? Is it Pilate asking this, or is it those guys out there? Now, we know, right? We know, and Pilate, Pilate says to him, am I a Jew? <laughs> Listen to what Pilate says. Here's what he's saying. I'm not asking. I don't believe in the Messiah. I don't, so it's not me, right? Am I a Jew that I would believe those things? He says, am I a Jew? He says, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? 
And then Jesus answered and said, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. So Jesus explains to him, right? Hey, I am king, and check this out, I'm king of the world, not just this, right? And he says, but it's not of this world. Here's what he's telling him, you can chill out, Pilate. I'm not gonna take your job. I'm not after Caesar's job, you know? And, and he lets him know that, and then Pilate tells him, he says, then, are you a king then? And Jesus answered and said, you rightly say that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Listen, man, there's some nuggets just in that response that Jesus gives. First of all, he says, for this cause I was born. For what cause? For what's going on right now? You're gonna hang me on that cross and that's why I was born. That's, and then he says a very interesting thing. And for this cause, I came into the world. Do you know what Jesus just said? Do you understand what he just said? He just said, I've always existed. There's never a time when I didn't exist. Now, not as Jesus, not as a human. And, and I think that's where our minds kind of, right? The second person of the Trinity has existed forever from all eternity past. I, I believe, most of us believe God's existed forever. And you know, again, whenever I try and think backwards, like I can think forward forever, but you try and think backwards forever and it's just, it's hard. I don't know if it's hard for you guys. Maybe it's a Bisbee thing, I don't know. But man, I mean, I go, backward, I go backwards and I go, well, that's just, that's just hard to comprehend. But the Trinity's always existed, and it's something we need to know. God has always been, listen, God has never needed anything. Forever, backwards, God has been content. He didn't need to create. He didn't have this need within him. We need to understand that because if we don't understand that, we gotta believe that God was not complete within himself, and he existed forever, not complete, that's just weird. I mean, all of that just, right? You think about it long enough, it doesn't, your mind just goes crazy. But I, I want, my point here, I didn't mean to get that carried away. My point here is that this person, the second person of the Trinity has always existed and he came into this world to save us. That's awesome, right? Jesus said, this is why I came. This is why I was born. And then I love it. Then he says, listen, man, I came to bear witness to truth. And then Pilate said to him, what is truth? Oh, dude, it's standing right in front of you. If you only knew. You know, and, and then Pilate goes on and says, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them. So remember, all of this took place inside. The Jews weren't part of it. And then Pilate goes back out and goes, you guys are absolutely crazy. I don't find anything wrong with him. Now you've got to go back to Luke. So, or, so we get the whole story, right? So flip back to Luke. He comes back outside. Verse 4 
So Pilate went to the chief priests and the crowd and said, I find no fault with him, right? That's what we just read. He had that dialogue with him. He comes back out and he goes, you guys are crazy, man. There's nothing wrong with this man. And then they get upset. They're thinking they're kind of losing their battle, but they, they were more fierce saying, he stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee to this place. So they're trying to defend themselves. And they go, hey, all of this started in Galilee. Right there, man, Pilate goes, ding, 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 ding. I can get out of this mess. Yes, yes. I don't have to pass judgment, right? So verse six, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man was a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who was in Jerusalem at that time. Remember, Herod is part Jew. So he's probably there for the Passover to make, a, to make an appearance, to make people love him more. So Herod's in Jerusalem, and, and Pilate goes, send him to Herod, man. It's like Jesus is a hot potato, right? Send him to Herod. And he goes to Herod, and every time I read, I have to be really, I, I'm going to be a little transparent. Some of you are going to get mad, but it's okay. You have to get glad again. Whenever I read this part, when, before I was saved, when I was in the army, I went and saw Jesus Christ Superstar. Now I know some of you are, oh, that's horrible. And you know, you can think that if you want, it's fine. But I went and saw Jesus Christ Superstar. And part of it is sad for me because every time I read this section, I get, I don't know if any of you have seen Jesus Christ Superstar. When Jesus goes to Herod, I, every time I read this, I think of that scene in that stupid movie where he goes before Herod and it's kind of a big guy who's obese and, and he's mocking Jesus and making fun of Jesus and he goes, hey, why don't you walk across my swimming pool and you know, kind of thing. So when I read this, that's what I get, sorry, but that's what pops in my head. And what's sad is I've been really involved like with the Jesus movie and it has a better scene for this, doesn't stick. Why do the other things stick? Why is the one thing stick and in, in, in there? But listen, man, he goes to Herod, and Herod's a jerk. Now, keep in mind, Herod has tried to connect with Jesus a couple times. And the last time he tried, do you remember what Jesus said? You go tell that fox. I'm going to just do a paraphrase. You go tell that fox, I ain't coming. That's not going to happen. And now he's before him. So imagine, man, Herod and all of his, he's been wanting to do this for, for probably 18 months, maybe two years now. He's wanting to get to this guy, especially after he, he beheaded John the Baptist. He, he kind of wanted to, I think, kind of wanted to figure some things out. So now he's in front of him, and Herod begins to question him, and Jesus just stands there. Nothing. Nothing. And he asked him more stuff, and then as he's before Herod, they beat him and send him back to Pilate. So now, back to, we'll, we'll go back to Matthew and stay there. You can lose your, well, you can lose your place where your fingers are. Don't lose your fingers. 
But back in Matthew, so back in Matthew, now listen, there's this little bit of dialogue where, 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 where Pilate's saying, hey man, don't you know what these guys are saying? So kind of, he, he went to Herod, now he's come back, and now Pilate's going, bummer, man. Now I got this guy, right? And I got to deal with this guy, and how am I going to deal with this guy? And so he has a little bit more dialogue, and then he comes up with this great idea. You got to, hey, you got to give Pilate some credit for creativity, Right? He sends him to Herod. That doesn't work. Hey, Pilate's not giving up. He does not want to be part of this. So then Pilate goes, oh yeah, it's Passover. Remember, he's not a Jew. He doesn't care about the holiday. It's Passover. I can do something good for these people. So in verse 15, now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. Now usually, listen, usually this was somebody who had done something small. Right, and hey, we'll let him go and you guys can be happy and you can feel like we're generous. That guy can be happy and, and everybody's satisfied. But Pilate didn't want to offer them some, you know, quote, menial criminal. Pilate went for the gusto. Why did Pilate go for the gusto? Here's what Pilate thinks. Well, look at the guy he introduces them to or he thinks about when he thinks about this, verse 16. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So he's thinking, I gotta release somebody. I know, I'll give him, I'll give him the name Barabbas. Now from the other accounts, and all we know is what scripture says. He was a notorious criminal, which, and then others say he was a murderer and also an insurrectionist. He had caused revolts against Rome. That's huge, right? This guy had taken life. He had revolted against things. And here's, here's I think Pilate's going, Barabbas, there is no way they would ever let that guy go. And so that's what's in his head. By the way, Barabbas means father of son. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I mean son of father, not father of son. Uh, son of father and and Jesus was the son of the father. But also, many say Barabbas was his second name. His first name was Jesus. So, hey, I, I know sometimes we get astounded. You need to understand something. Jesus was a common name at this time. Jesus is just the Greek translation, jo Joshua. Not a huge thing. Listen, it wasn't, wasn't a horrible thing. It wasn't like, oh, you can't name your kid Jesus. Everybody was naming their kid. Hey, people love Joshua. So it was kind of a common name. So this was Joshua uh, uh, Barabbas, and Jesus was Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, right? So you have that. So listen, man, that's going on. And he comes up with that idea, verse 17. Therefore, when they gathered together, Pilate said to them, hey, you guys. Now, remember, he's outside, right? Jesus is inside. Oh, and Barabbas is in a dungeon down, tucked away. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the privilege of, of hearing what's going on necessarily. So he tells them, he says, hey, he says, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? For he knew that they had handed over Jesus because of envy. So he's kind of asking that question and letting him know. Now he's figured out what's going on, right? Pilate knows exactly what's going on. And it's kind of a bummer he doesn't call him out on it. 
I think he kind of tries, but not a huge effort. So he says, hey, now here's, here's my last effort. Which one do you want? Now, as he's doing this, now get this picture. As he's doing this, he's, he's going back in, and he's sitting in his judgment seat. He's sitting where he judges. It'd be like this. It'd be like when you go in a courthouse, right? Those of us who have been there. And the judge sits behind a, a, big, a big booth, and he has his robe on and his little hammer and you know you're in trouble if you're on the other side, right? So, hey, I mean, he's, he's in his official capacity. When, when a judge puts his robe on, the judge is, is in that official capacity. When he sits down, he's taken his place of judgment, right? So that's the equivalent of what Herod did. Now, he's in that place. Now, check out what happens in verse 19. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife came in and said to him, now get a picture, listen, get a mental picture of this. You're in the courtroom, you're facing the judge. He's back behind the bench, he's got his robe in, in on, and all of a sudden this lady comes out a side door and runs up and whispers something in his ear. That would be weird. I mean, that doesn't happen, right? That's what's going on, and she comes, and here's what she whispers to him. She goes, hey, sweetheart. I add a little bit. I think, you know, I think they were in love. They're married, I'm, I'm giving them the credit. She goes, sweetheart, have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Wow. Hey, honey, don't do it. Don't do it. This is bad. And I even had a dream. Now, I love the, the commentators want to argue did God give her the dream or was it just a dream? I'm thinking, seriously, this is what we're gonna split hairs on. You know, it's like to me kind of crazy. Well, I personally believe God gave her a dream. Now people go, but she was a pagan, heathen. I don't care, God doesn't give heathens dreams. It's like, it's like where do we get this like narrow kind of thing we do and we box God in? I think God gave her the dream. I think God hassled her and, and, and listen, it wasn't like God was hoping this would work. It was God was giving Pilate every chance he could give him to not do this. And so she comes in with that. Now, here's an interesting side note. This is, this, is, this is tradition. It's not what we're studying. The Coptics, are you familiar with Coptic Christians? The Coptic Christians are mainly out of Egypt and, and they're more of an orthodox kind of uh, style of worship. So the Coptic Christians believe that Pilate and his wife, through this dream, came to the Lord. And they both, re they recognize both of them as saints. It's kind of an interesting kind of side note. I don't know if Pilate and his wife got saved. I, I have no idea. If Pilate is in heaven, I want to talk to him about a couple things that he's done here. But, but, you know, someone, last night someone said, you can't call him out on the stuff he did. You're supposed to forget it. I'm not God. I'm not going to forget it, right? I'm going to call him out and ask him what he's up. But anyway, so she says, don't do this. Now check this out, man. He's got evidence this is crazy think about this he's got evidence proof that that Jesus is innocent Herod says he's innocent he's done nothing wrong Judas says he's innocent he's done nothing wrong you have interrogated him nothing and now your wife comes and says have nothing to do with who did you pick up on that this just man 
Man, you gotta be thinking, I need to get out of this. Oh, and then, verse 20, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Now, check this out, man. It's, by now, it's gotta be eight o'clock, maybe even nine o'clock. They've been, they've been doing this game for a while, right? Things are going on. So people are gathering, people are coming. Like, what are you guys up to? You got 70 guys hanging out in the street. You're gonna go ask some questions. And I think now it's grown to a huge, huge crowd. And somebody tells somebody else, hey, we gotta get Barabbas out and we gotta get rid of this Jesus guy because he's bad. And I believe, listen, I believe most of that crowd got caught up in the hype and didn't even know what they were caught up for. You ever been in crowd mentality where things just start going crazy and you're like, and 90% of the people have no idea what they're doing. They're just doing it because everybody else is doing it. So they hype them up and then verse 21, the governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Now, let's get a picture. Barabbas, this is a great picture. Barabbas is in the dungeon. He doesn't hear Pilate speaking because Pilate's just talking like this. Which one do you want to let go? And the crowd yells, Barabbas! You're in the dungeon, here's what you hear. Barabbas! And you're going, wow, that's my name, right? Okay, so then Pilate asked them that you don't hear this part. Pilate said to them, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And they answered him, Crucify him. You're Barabbas. Here's what you hear. Barabbas, crucify him. Not good news. If you're Barabbas, you're a little freaked out right now. You're like, what's go- what is going on? You're, you're not privy to what's going on up there. And all you're hearing is your name and crucify him. And you've got to be like freaked out, right? And hey, here's... Here's, this is kind of a, a cool little to me side story. I forgot to introduce Barabbas in the introduction. So here's another character, right? Man, he's got to be, especially when they come down. So they, they had this thing, and, and then the governor asked them in verse 23, why, he says, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him or let him be crucified. So it's just getting louder and louder in this chant, and then they come and get you, Right? Hey, the guards come down and say, come on, you're going with us. Oh, man. This is it. I didn't get a last meal. I don't know if they gave last meals in, but that would be so. And when Pilate saw that he could not prevail, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You guys see to it. Wow. Don't you kind of want to whisper in his ear, dude, that doesn't work. Washing your hands is not going to fix it. You can't, listen, you can't just get some water, rub it on your hands and say, you know what, I'm not part of this. Yes, you are. You're totally part of it. And then they go get Barabbas. Now let's think about Barabbas for a moment. He's coming out. This is a, this is a, a, a thing that I, I like to think about. He's coming out. And they say, you're free. You're free. What do you mean I'm free? They're going to kill that guy for you. The very first person that Jesus literally died for was Barabbas. How cool is that? And Barabbas said, hey, don't you know that Barabbas beat feet out of there? 
Don't you know he took off? Hey, here's the thing. Barabbas knew what he did. And here's what he just realized. I am set free because of Jesus. I think he probably might have thanked him if he could see him. But man, that guy is gone. He, I, I, think, I think he took off and he doesn't want to be anywhere near what's going on. And Jesus took, literally took his place. So Pilate washes his hands. So you have Barabbas, he's celebrating. Pilate's washing his hands, thinking he can get away with this, thinking just washing my hands. And then he says, you guys see to it. And then all the people, listen, all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and our children. And then he released Barabbas to them. And when they had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. More on that. But listen, man, when he did this, when he said that in the, the people said, let his blood be on us and our children. Hey, that's one thing to chant it. It's another thing to live it. Acts chapter 5, you can write this down. You can look it up. Whoops, I put Luke 22. Acts chapter 5, verse 28. Acts chapter 5 says this. They have arrested John and Peter for teaching in the temple courts. And they told them to shut up. You know that whole scene. Listen, listen to what, this is, this is the same religious group that was convicting Jesus. I don't know if it's the same exact individuals, but same group. Listen to what they say. These are the guys who yelled, let his blood be on us and our children. Listen to what they say just months later. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name and look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Oh, wow. Man, if I was Peter or John, I would have to be saying, you bet I am, because that's what you asked for. Now, I don't know if they were around that crowd, but isn't it interesting? We say things that we have no intention of keeping. So today, it's kind of, we went through this. And I guess my question just still comes back to what are you gonna do with Jesus? And a lot of us are saying, come on, man, I'm a believer. I've already put my faith in him. But what are you gonna do with him in your life? Do you just have a Jesus you pull out on weekends and hang out with a little bit Sunday? You come to church and hang out and then, uh, you know, I, I love it when people say, I compartmentalize my, compartmentalize my life. I tell them, stop it. You see, Jesus wants to be part of all of our life. And I don't know about you guys, but there's another person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Man, people tell me he's a gentleman. He's not always really gentlemanly with me. He like kicks me in the pants sometimes, right? And he comes and, you know, hey, I don't usually, I put that word in there, go out and intentionally sin, usually. I can't say I never do, because then I'd be in trouble. But when we sin as believers, we have this precious person who comes and convicts us of our sin, the Holy Spirit. Why are you doing that? And sometimes we try and push him down. Now listen, to me, that's the same as what do you do with Jesus? And we try and push him down and push him away and, and we don't want to deal with it. Why, why does he come and convict us of sin? Because he loves us. 
And why does he get rough with some of us? Maybe all of you guys are good. He's got to get, I'm, I'm hard-headed. I got a whole DNA thing going on. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes it gets rough. Well, why does he get rough? Because he loves me. Why did my dad get rough with me when I was a kid? And I'm not, I'm not ever implying that he was over the top, but he got rough with me as a parent. He would spank me. Why did he do that? Because he's bigger than me and he enjoyed it? I hope not. Because he loved me. He cared about me. And we gotta think about this. Listen, the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and convicts us of sin so we will change, so we will become more like Jesus. And as he convicts us in sin, I like to explain this to people. When the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and convicts us of sin, he always, always shows us a way out. Always. And he says, do this and things will be better. Listen, when we sin, our relationship with God is broken. We need to know that. And until we deal with that, that relationship's awkward. Do you have any awkward relationships in your life, physical? Well, that's what you do with the Lord when you're messing up. It gets awkward. It's awkward for him. It's awkward for you. He's convicting you of sin. You're not wanting to listen. It gets awkward. And he's just trying to fix that in our lives. So he convicts us and shows us a way out. That's conviction. That is God working in our lives. The devil, Satan, will condemn us. What's the difference? Here's the difference. The devil will push you down put bricks on your back and tell you this, there is no way out, there's no hope. That's the devil, that's not God convicting us. God always, always shows us the way out. It's usually the blood of Jesus. So you need to remember that. So hey, we might be a Herod one day, we might be Pontius Pilate another day, we might be part of the Sanhedrin another day. Some of you guys are going, not me. Well, then you got to deal with a whole bunch of other issues. And we might be those things, but if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he will change us, he will guide us, and he will bring us out of that. Every time I read this, did not God give Pilate every chance he could? Sure. Number one, he got to talk face to face with Jesus. He got to see it. And then he sent him message after message after message after message. You don't want to do this. And Pilate did it anyway. And I don't know about you guys, but do you ever get ready to do something and you just know the Holy Spirit's there going, don't want to do that. Do not, do not do that. And we go, ah, I'll take a shot. Right? And then we're in trouble. So listen, listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him guide you and direct you. And as I read through this, listen, I have to be honest. I read through this, and I can see areas of my life in all of these guys. And my prayer is God would keep growing me up and keep working in me and keep changing me and keep fixing me because Last I read, that's what he's in the business of. Last I read, none of us are perfect. But he's growing us. And that's what we need. So let's stand up and pray.